I'm your host, writer Todd Smith, and today we're joined by John Scholl, Chief Executive Officer of the California Joint Powers Insurance Authority, popularly known as California JPIA, or as John really loves, the authority. John, welcome to the report. Thank you, Ryder. Pleasure to be here. Great to have you back. Two-time guest on the report. Good times. Yes, indeed. Uh, okay, let's remind the audience. What the heck is the California Joint Powers? What is the authority, John? The authority is a self-insurance pool, primarily for cities and uh, other local agencies providing uh, municipal-like services. So um, cities throughout Southern California that uh, banded together to, uh, instead of buying insurance, they self-insure together and we manage the funds, we manage the claims, um, liability, property, workers' comp, all that sort of stuff. Why was it created in the first place? Well, the insurance industry in the mid-70s uh, turned away from local government. There was, uh, we refer to it as the insurance crisis of the mid-70s. Uh, it was costing as much to buy insurance as the coverage you were actually getting. So these cities decided that uh, it'd be better to, uh, instead of paying somebody's profit and shareholder uh, dividends, let's just keep the money among ourselves. And uh, so they created the uh, California JPIA. And thus it was born. Yes, it was born. 1970, uh, 1978, first day of coverage, April 1. Um, so, and tell me about growth, particularly over the last 10 years, what's been going on with the development of the authority and, uh, your time as CEO, which you've been the CEO now for a chunk of time. How long you been there, John? I've been at the authority for 28 years and CEO for 21 of those years. So, uh, yeah, when I started with the authority, we had, uh, 74 members and, uh, we've had a pretty steady growth a little bit at a time. We're, uh, Come July 1, we'll be at 126 members, and uh, uh, excitedly, for the first time, we're going to have over 100 cities as members, cities and towns as members, so uh, kind of a milestone uh, event for us to, to get over that 100, So, which is you know, more than a fifth of the cities in the state, so that's pretty good. So, John, you're now over 100 cities. Uh, as you described, over the time, you've had slow and consistent steady growth in the authority. So that slow and consistent, steady growth, which I think is what everybody wants to see in their financial institution, their insurer, right? They don't want anything that's a big lurch one way or the other. Um, that's a uh, that's healthy. That's a nice, healthy, organic growth base. And to your point, it's over 20% of the cities in California that are members of the authority. So that must give the authority some pretty good insights into what's going on in the world of local government and risk management. You know, it really does. It's, it's an interesting experience to... Uh, to spend as much time with these city leaders and, and city executives and understand where they're coming from. And uh, sometimes we see things in one city that we then see in, other, in another city sometime uh, down the road. Um, we've, we've become a pretty good resource for, uh, for our members and as they uh, approach uh, challenging situations or, or just interesting uh, predicaments that we can uh, say, oh yeah, we've seen that. Here's what this city did or that city did. Um, you know, much of our staff has actually come out of local government. I mean, I worked for for uh, three or three cities that are now members um, in my uh, before I came to the JPIA, and uh, probably about half our staff has worked for for cities in in one uh, form or another. Well, uh, I can testify and agree to the point that when you have a bunch of 
cities under uh, the roof that you're working with, those lessons cross over very quickly and give you some immense dynamics and insights into the market that prove very helpful for you. But uh, this massive trajectory of growth, steady trajectory of growth uh, under your tenure, decades of tenure, uh, is, uh, as has been announced, coming to an end. Isn't that correct? You're you're heading towards the hillsides of retirement, John. I am. I, I'm I'm literally looking forward to sailing into the uh, future. Um, mm-hmm. I have a sailboat that's been sitting in the water for way too long with nobody sitting on it. So I'm uh, looking forward to getting that cleaned up and uh, get out in the water. So uh, yeah, so I ended t- up, uh, my last day is uh, June 30th. So uh, it's about that time. So you're going to end the fiscal year uh, uh, as the outgoing CEO of the authority. Yes. What's been one of your favorite projects you've gotten the pleasure or initiative you've gotten to work on over your uh, long tenure at the authority? And congratulations on your retirement, by the way. Thank you. Appreciate that. Yeah, I think the uh, there's been a few things that were really uh, monumental in, in my mind as to things that have been accomplished in the time I've been here. I think the the most notable is if you've ever been on our campus, it's the fact that uh, my predecessor and I got to design with, uh, of course, our architects, what our campus would look like and how we would serve the members. And members can come and use it, so that's something important as well. But uh, just the construction of this project, um, allowing for the huge training space and meeting space and obviously uh, offices for the for the uh, employees, uh, that, that was a, a big task. and, and uh, Know, something we're very proud of and you know it's been open for over 20 almost 25 years now and and it's just continues to be in great condition because of the the maintenance that's that's done done to it done with it um and and that's you know chris on our staff that really uh, keeps the place in, in in great shape um one of the things that i'm really excited about right now is we are finally we fi- finally have acquired the property on the corner that our campus has surrounded for the last 25 years and uh, we are beginning to construct a uh, safety video production studio and additional office space so uh, it's going to look just like the existing campus and fully integrated into into the uh, the environment there so really excited about that uh, upcoming project well i think the it is a beautiful facility and you use the word campus which i think is completely apropos um, for what has been designed there. And it does strike me that when you know you're an institution uh, of local government that's going to be around for decades or centuries, hopefully, um, that having your own physical space locked down to support your team and staff uh, to be there as a resource your members is really just, a, I mean, it's kind of a putting down the marker of your commitment to the future of local government and the future, the future of the member agencies that have chosen to join up with the authority. So. And that's exciting. You're building a new studio because I know you guys have produced a ton of video content. You did it before um, COVID, but uh, during COVID, you also switched to all virtual forums as you adapted like so many organizations. Uh, And now you're going to be converting that into a dedicated studio, I assume, to sustain the video production work. Exactly. Yeah, we've been doing video production for probably a decade, Uh, particularly it picked up during the, uh, the pandemic and we uh, we used our large training room as a, a temporary studio with a big green screen and all that sort of stuff. And uh, now that we're back in uh, in person, uh, we were finding ourselves putting it up and taking it down, putting it up and taking it down. So it really led to the discussion of having our own space instead of having to lease space or rent space. Um, 
and just being able to make it our uh, studio and being able to use it the way we need to and uh, really something we're excited about. Yeah, that's going to be um, that'll be phenomenal. I look, what's what's the time and when do you think that's going to be constructed? Well, we're expecting to break ground in the next month. We've got uh, designs with the city and uh, all the structure structural stuffs happening right now so uh we're we're getting some tenants out of the building uh, we have one tenant left and they're supposed to be out by the end of the month and then uh we're going to take away the parking lot and they won't be able to come anyhow so <laughs> we're we're looking forward to uh getting it going and probably within six seven months we'll have uh have it done that's very uh that's exciting so john uh, remind reminder audience again how many years have you been with the authority 28 years and as of right now, are you the longest serving employee of the organization? Uh, I might. Yeah, I might be, actually. OK. And uh, so are you responsible for nearly everybody else being there in terms of having hired them? Was that under your decision yes. or? <laughs> I, I have actually hired everybody that works there right now. So that's quite a thumbprint, John. <laughs> yes. Um, we, we, we jokingly number one another. So I'm one, and Edith is two, and then it goes down the line. So uh, it's a couple of weeks, and she'll be number one. So <laughs> Yeah, I know. Nobody's more excited about your retirement than her. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, you know, I, so as a fellow executive who has not, I've been at Trepepe Smith, well, I guess for 23 years technically, but really in its iteration it is today for about 15. Uh, and, of course, I've had my hand in hiring every person that's here as well in conjunction with my business partner and wife. Um, you know, that's a significant role to play in creating that entity, creating that organization. Uh, tell me about that. What's it like being a leader and reflecting in an organization that, you know, essentially has your giant thumbprint across the entire organization? Well, you know, the, the saying, you know, hire good people and get out of their way. And that's truly what I have uh, tried to do. We have a very uh, uh, comprehensive or challenging, depending on your perspective, a recruitment process. Um, truly, it, it takes months to get someone hired, but once they're hired, they are a good fit. They understand the, they have the same values. They understand the culture. You know, our first value is integrity, like so many organizations, you know, integrity, excellence, innovation, and teamwork. Those are our four core values. And, and we really live by those. And it's something that as the organizational leader, um, you know, I try to demonstrate it and, and display it at, at all times. And, and I think uh, for the most part, all of our employees do the same. And it, it's just an important part of who we are and, and the way we operate and, and serve the members. I always, um, when I was a smaller firm, I didn't have time to think about culture. I was just trying to figure out how to rub two pennies together and build a, build a business. But as we got more mature, the idea of culture in the organization become much more clear to me as a value add. Um, and now it's something I contemplate and talk about daily uh, from my perch here at the firm. Um, and one of the kind of isms I've or rules I've noted to myself that I've adopted is um, culture is the management that happens when management isn't around, right? It's how people govern themselves and lead by certain cultural norms in the organizations or live by them so that teammates know how to interact with each other and what they can expect from each other and they can deliver. Uh, so strong culture, you know, for every organization, the cities, yours as a public agency, a joint powers authority, private companies, all of us, uh, football teams, um, culture, culture matters, man. It, it matters big time. So 
How, what I guess, what's been your experience inculcating that? I mean, clearly you get to hire, so you're looking for it. Do you think it's all down to your recruiting process or, you know, well, is there no, a weekly process to affirming the culture? I think the, it's it's not really all about down to the recruitment process. It, it is the, the day in and day out, uh, how we work together and what we do together. I think the the most important thing, and, and you know, I'm sure it's the same in your organization, is is trust. We trust one another. We trust we're going to do our jobs. I mean, we set high expectations. We we have high expectations for ourselves, for one another. Um, we hold each other accountable. Um, we are pretty uh, pretty flat organization uh, between uh, myself and and you know uh, the there's there's three layers if that to the to the person who's uh, you know lowest in the organization if you will. Right. Um, and so it's truly uh, about how we work together. We have a lot of fun. Um, we do a lot of uh, things where we'll get together and just, uh, you know, enjoy one another's company. We just have, we had a staff meeting on Monday and Monday night it was like, well, let's let's all just get together and enjoy some time together. And, and we did. And we just sat around one of the rooms for about three hours chatting and telling stories and, and carrying on. Um, you know, a lot of our employees during the, the pandemic moved away. So being able to come back and have that face-to-face -face time um, and truly, I mean, you do it because of, you know, you're always virtual, um, but we've got some folks that moved out of state and now they're, you know, on campus this week. So we're really ensuring that they're, uh, they're integrating and, and we're all engaging with one another. And it was just a, a great experience, but that kind of thing, you know, we do a kickoff, uh, a summer kickoff barbecue that, uh, you know, I come cook tri-tip and, um, just have an enjoyable time together. So a lot of it is the fun, but we also realize that there is work to be done, but we work better together when we enjoy each other's company. And that's, that's so much of, 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 I think the success that we've, that we've had within, uh, within this space. It does help when your coworkers actually enjoy each other. So uh, I can appreciate your comments about the fact that they actually want to hang out together and get to know each other. Uh, Wall Street Journal just had a whole article about, um, can coworkers be friends and the efforts that organizations are making to try to create community, especially for those that are living in a hybrid or entirely virtual environment. And obviously very intriguing to me as a 100% virtual work environment too. Right. So that's great to hear. And I assume you then as a result, I mean, you must have pretty long tenure with your staff. Clearly you're an example of that. That's a heck of a tenure on your part. Uh, but your number two, how long is, is it Edith? How long has Edith been with the I organization? I think Edith has been here, I think she just got 25 years or at oh. least, at least 20. Um, and we just, uh, this, this month, Carl's getting 20. So, uh, Raja just did 20. So yeah, we got, uh, it's a lot of longevity. Uh, that is. rarely do we have someone leave, um, unless they want, unless they should be successful elsewhere, as you know. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes that recruitment process doesn't work perfectly. Yeah, yeah, it happens. It happens. It's okay. Everybody's meant to be somewhere. I always right. view it as just very similar to college admissions. It takes two to tango and make it work, and sometimes you get it right, and sometimes people drop out and transfer to a different college. It happens. Yeah. Um, well, so, I mean, let's talk about that tenure. Your tenure is coming to an end. Uh, who's the new CEO, and tell me about him. So Alex Smith is uh, currently a deputy executive officer. And Alex has been with us for, I think, 14 years, um, came in as our finance director, just a really smart guy, um, has a, a big picture, a, a really capable ability of understanding 
a variety of different concepts and how they work together. Um, good rapport with the staff, good rapport with the members. Um, you know, a little bit different than me because you know I grew up in the city manager's office before I came to the to the authority, um, and so I spent a lot of time with elected officials. Uh, I think probably the the thing that I've been trying to do most with Alex has been to expose him to uh, elected officials and, and executives within the member agencies. So uh, he has a greater level of comfort with, with that environment and, and that they have a uh, comfort with him. Um, and, and I think that has definitely proven uh, to be the case. I mean, the executive committee loves him um, and he works very well with them. He, he's a way better presenter than I am for uh, uh, some of the technical things that we do. Um, and he certainly understands some of the things better than I do, which is, you know, again, hire good people and stay out of their way. Um, he's created some wonderful things over the last few years that our members are, are benefiting from the Access Liability Program, Access Workers' Comp Program, uh, our captive insurance company. You know, I got a lot of credit for these things because I got to give the speeches during the board of directors meeting, but Alex is really the uh, the laboring oar behind uh, these projects. And, and you know, it's just example of his capability and, and the quality of work that he does. Well, it's very authority-esque that um, given your long-term planning work that you do and big, you know, long-term perspective you have that a incumbent 14-year employee would ascend to the CEO job, right? So that kind of consistency, I think, is important to members and important to the organizational culture. And, uh, you know, I suspect part of the reason he was selected is he was viewed as being able to sustain the excellence that is the authority. Um, which is exciting. And if somebody breaks ranks, am I correct in recalling that he's also a former Marine? Uh, that is correct. Um, John, do you have uh, kind of any parting thoughts as you reflect back? You're now unleashed. You're about to end your term. You can speak freely and not suffer major consequences at this point. Do you have, uh, you want to call some names out or anything like that? What's, what's your swan song here? Well, I think the, uh, you know, I, I'm kind of doing the, uh, the last one of these meetings, the last, I went to the last contract cities conference today. I had my last liability trust fund meeting. Um, so I, I'm kind of on that, uh, last of these things. Um, but I, there are certainly things that I'm going to miss, uh, particularly the people, the relationships, the, uh, um, the things that have been developed over these, these many years in local government. Um, uh, Mark Alexander from La Cunata Flint Ridge, who also just retired. He and I were reflecting a few months ago when I announced I was going to retire that, yeah, it looks like uh, our wave has finally ended because, uh, you know, you, we were in MMASC together uh, 35 years ago, you know, doing things together. Um, so, you know, it's it's just, it's been a great career. I, I feel like what I have been able to do with the authority has been reflective of my training in public administration, um, my education, um, being able to do something that's still city, but it's focused on risk management. I think, you know, if there's a legacy at the authority, I think it's the idea that we went from being sort of a claims management organization to a risk management organization, focusing mm -hmm. on preventing the claims, um, because that's way cheaper for everybody. Uh, economically, personally, you know, psychologically to just not have the claims in the first place. And training is such an important part of what we do. Uh, and then providing those risk management resources. When I started, it was 
all about just managing the claims and the, having had the opportunity to to build a, a risk management organization has been really uh, an exciting thing for me. And, and if I was to to say uh, if there's one thing I wanted to be most proud of, it's, it's that and the, the impact that our organization has had on many other organizations uh, uh, within within our, our pool. Um, and I think uh, to some degree, I mean, we've been involved with some of the other associations, the California Association of Joint Powers Authorities and the uh, Association of Governmental Risk Pools, which is the National Pooling Association. And we've been actively involved in leadership in those organizations. And so some of the things that we've been doing have been able to uh, be reflected in other organizations. So um, it's been it's been really fun. I've enjoyed it. Uh, I'm looking forward to doing other things that are fun. And uh, you know, I'll I'll be around. I'm not changing my phone number, so you know, <laughs> if I can be reached, I'll I'll be available. Uh, first of all, you you packed a lot into that, but I would just observe that the movement to being a risk management organization from a claims administrator is a massive shift, right? And that takes people, resources, and investment. But in my survey of the risk management world and local government in California, there's really uh, and obviously, I have you know you and I work together outside of the, doing this podcast, so I have certain biases. But fundamentally, I think the authority is known as being a risk management organization that leads best practices and really tries to educate its members to avoid the risk in the first place. And that's a huge differentiator in the market for what you guys do and how you approach it. Uh, and it's important for people to I think understand and appreciate that. It'll be a great legacy, uh, aside from the incredible team you're going to leave behind. Uh, a great legacy going into the long into the future about uh, where the authority is today and where it's going to be tomorrow. So that's exciting, John. Yeah. If uh, people want to learn more about the authority, um, how do they learn more about the authority? Well, probably the easiest way is to look us up online at uh, cjpia.org, or you can actually go californiajpia.org, which is my preferred, as you know. Yeah. Um, but uh, or you can call our, uh, our our phone number. It's just five, six, two, four, six, seven, eighty seven hundred. But uh, just Google us. You'll find us usually at the top of the list. Well, uh, John, congratulations on a very successful career at the authority and uh, for making a difference in local government and um, building up those relationships over decades of service and your entire career service, which includes the city government world. It's um, exciting times and change uh, and um, I think folks are looking forward to uh, Alex uh, in his service as CEO and very appreciative of your service as CEO for decades now. And with that, it's today's report. My name, my thanks to John for joining us for the conversation and from the whole public CEO team and myself, writer Todd Smith, thank you for your time. We hope you learned something new and inspiring that will help you in your public service. Remember, Public CEO has a daily newsletter that is free to those who sign up at publicceo.com. If you have feedback, questions, or guest suggestions for Public CEO Report, please email editor at publicceo.com.